Let's pray as we look at that together. Heavenly Father, even as we've sung, as you speak to us now, would you open our eyes and show us the beauty of the Lord Jesus in such a way that our hearts are drawn to adore you. For we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. How hungry are you this morning? How hungry. One of the the joys of being back in in the UK is breakfast. Um, Germans do many great things with pork. Sorry, I apologize if you're vegan. Just switch off for the next 30 seconds. Germans do many great things with pork. The one thing they don't do is bacon. That is one of life's mysteries that they have not yet solved. And so it is a joy to be back here and to have bacon butties. Now, some of us this morning don't feel that hungry. You've you've had a good breakfast. Maybe you did have a bacon butty. You had that second coffee, and even now, you are still nicely buzzing from the caffeine. Uh, You're just fine. Others, maybe you're a bit peckish. You could stand to eat just a little something, a snack maybe. Others are famished. All you can think about right now is food. It feels like it has been ages since you last had a square meal, and you can't keep going anymore as is. And because you've all just listened to the reading, you know, don't you, I'm not actually talking about physical food. I'm not talking about lunch. In our passage that we just heard read, Jesus is using food as a picture for feeding us with his power and his mercy. And this morning... Mark, in his gospel, has got great news for us because Jesus is bread for all, because Jesus is bread for the unclean, the undeserving, desperate dogs get dinner. Uh, That's our tagline, that's what we're taking home with us today, desperate dogs get dinner. Again, some some of us bounced in today, not feeling that spiritually hungry, Things, things are going well for you. Other of us limped in, and it took all our strength to even be here to come this morning. And now that we're here, we're just desperate to be fed. Maybe some of us are even dreading going back home unfed, still hungry. Because whether you feel your spiritual hunger or not, whether you're aware of it, all of us are constantly hungry. Beneath all the, the cravings and the longings that occupy, occupy our thoughts and our time and our bank balance, behind all of that, we long to be fed by Jesus. To be fed by the one who made us, fed by the one who knows us perfectly, the one who loves us endlessly. And what we're going to see this morning is that all you have to do to be fed by this wonderful Jesus is to tell him how hungry you are. Our hunger doesn't disqualify us from him. Our hunger is what he wants to fill. And with Jesus, desperate dogs get dinner. So how hungry are you? Mark's account there in verse 24, it begins with Jesus entering a Gentile area, not a Jewish area, of Tyre and Sidon. It seems that Jesus wants some quiet there. Uh, But verse 24, he couldn't be hidden. No sooner has Jesus sat down than someone's knocking on the door. It's a woman in desperate need. And that brings us to our first heading, desperate, in verses 24 to 26. Desperate. Just look down at verse 25 with me. 
Immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. She has not wasted any time. As soon as she hears Jesus is there, she is there immediately. She comes to him. She's not standoffish like the Pharisees. Instead, she falls down at Jesus' feet. She doesn't argue with Jesus. She begs, verse 26. There's this amazing sense of urgency. She hears, she comes, she falls down at his feet and she begs. And we ask, well, what's so urgent? Why the hurry? Verse 25, her daughter has an unclean spirit. Verse 26, that's a, that's a demon. Now, today's Western society, uh, in our Western society, we think it's naive to believe demons exist. It's naive. And yet, throughout history and all over the world, most people acknowledge the reality of a supernatural evil beyond our control. And I would suggest, actually, that we're the naive ones for ignoring what the rest of the world and the rest of history has seen so clearly. Here is a woman who has run to Jesus because she knows her daughter needs help that a doctor or a psychologist or a therapist cannot give. And did you notice there in verse 25, it's her little daughter, it's her baby girl. The last person who fell at Jesus' feet was Jairus back in chapter 5, but Jairus was a different guy altogether. He was a synagogue leader, a man with a name. She here is no Jairus, she is a nobody. She doesn't have a name, she's desperate. And in fact, things are actually even worse than they look. That unclean spirit. Mark doesn't tell us where it came from. Mark doesn't uh, tell us why it's there. But in Mark's day, that would have raised questions. What had the girl's parents done that this happened? Was this somehow deserved? And then there's her passport in verse 26. See how Mark draws attention to it. Now the woman was a Gentile. Syrophoenician by birth. So she's not a member of God's people. She's from the nations, from the great unclean, even worse, from Syrian Phoenicia, a place famous for pagan idol worship. Uh, we're so used to, in, the, in today's society, we're so used to thinking of the deserving poor. Someone is in need, of course we should help them. The last time Jesus drove demons out of a man in in Mark's gospel, Jesus didn't think the man actually deserved that. Mark chapter 5 verse 19, Jesus says to the man he's just driven demons out of, go and tell your family how the Lord has had mercy on you. Mercy, a gift given without it being deserved. However, the unclean spirit came into her family. Here is a woman who, by implication, is unclean, who is defiled and excluded, who doesn't belong, who doesn't deserve God's goodness. What will Jesus do? Do you see how Mark is building the tension here? Just a few uh, verses earlier, at the beginning of chapter 7, Jesus rejected the Pharisees. They were the well-respected heroes, the the celebrity models of orthodoxy and faithfulness. If Jesus rejected them, well, surely he'll, he'll reject her, this poster girl for pagan idolatry. If not them, surely not her. Not the desperately hopeless one. 
But actually, that, that's not the tension. Uh, that's not the tension because Mark's gospel began with Jesus making someone unclean clean. It began with Jesus announcing that he has come not for the righteous, but to call sinners. And so the real tension here is not, will Jesus help her? But how will Jesus help her? How will Jesus help her? How desperate are you this morning for Jesus' help? Uh, On the surface, I guess for for most of us, maybe for all of us, things might look better. Things might look successful altogether. But we live in a broken world. Uh, Martin Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, talks about this world with devils filled. We live in a broken world under the power of the evil one. He prowls around looking for someone to devour through sin and temptation. He prowls around our churches, he prowls around our families, he prowls around our hearts. Do you really think there are no unclean spirits in Bramcote or in your neighborhood? That behind the personal temptations that we become so accustomed to, that become so normal for us, behind those temptations there is no evil seeking to destroy us? We're just as desperate as this lady. But you, you know, don't you, that when, when you come to Jesus, in utter desperation, the, the tension is not, will Jesus help me or will he not? The tension is simply this, how will he help me? How will Jesus help us? And that takes us to verses 27 to 28 and our second D. The alliteration, by the way, this morning, the alliteration is going to be top-notch. Here's our second D, Dogs, verses 27 to 28. However you look at these verses, they do seem shocking, don't they? Jesus seems at one level just to talk past the woman. She begs for help. Jesus talks about lunch. It is the most bizarre conversation. Daughter, demon, dinner, dogs. And yet if you don't think Jesus is talking past her, even more shocking then is how he talks to her. He sounds like just another heartless misogynist calling her a dog. However, note two things before we cancel Jesus. Note, firstly, the woman is not offended. She does not think Jesus has been rude to her. When she replies in verse 28, she doesn't argue with what Jesus has said per se. Rather, she stays in the word picture that Jesus has painted. She accepts what Jesus has said. And secondly, notice Jesus doesn't actually say no to her. Listen again to verse 27. Jesus said, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's so easy to get so thrown by the word dogs that you miss the word first. What is Jesus saying to the woman? Later. Later. Later isn't no. Later means later, doesn't it? If Jesus feeds someone first, that implies there will be a second feeding. Which then makes us, the readers of Mark's gospel, want to ask, hmm, has Jesus fed anyone recently? Oh yeah, Mark 6. Jesus fed a few people, 5,000 Jewish men. 
And Mark makes sure that we get the connection between this woman and that feeding of the 5,000 because he uses the same word in, in chapter 7, verse 27 as in chapter 6, 42, fed and satisfied. It's the same word in the Greek. Mark wants us to see Jesus has already fed the Jewish children. He's done that first. So who will Jesus feed now? And here comes then the biggest shock of verses 27 to 28. You see, the Jews were expecting a king who would restore God's people by judging the world. And here comes King Jesus restoring God's people by saving people from all over the world. And the Syrophoenician woman is just the beginning. Jesus isn't insulting the woman. He's not calling her a dumb mutt, just the opposite. Behind her desperation, Jesus sees genuine, real faith. She trusts Jesus will do her good. And so Jesus deliberately, kindly, paints a picture in verse 27 that's only half finished. And what is he doing? He is inviting her to finish the picture, to keep painting on by taking him at his word. And that's exactly what she does. She hears later... And she replies, Lord. Lord. Mark had had, had initially shown us this woman is a, a picture of desperate hopelessness. Now he shows her to be a model of faith. Lord is the first word we directly hear from her. It's actually the first word she says at all in verse 28. The the ESV has just added yes for clarity's sake. And apart from Jesus himself, she is not just the first person in Mark's gospel to call Jesus Lord, she is the only person in Mark's gospel who calls Jesus Lord. So even before that climactic moment in chapter 8 where Peter will call Jesus the Christ, this nobody from the badlands, the wrong person from the wrong people, she gets who Jesus is. She trusts and confesses that Jesus is the Lord. He's the king. And listen to how she continues. Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Do you see what she's done? She's completed the picture of verse 27. And what does she see in the picture? Not some stingy Scrooge chucking out yesterday's stale crust. She sees pets under the table of a rich, generous, loving family father. She does not think Jesus has been calling her some flea-ridden street scavenger. She sees dogs gathered together under the family table of a generous, loving father. And it's amazing. Because chapter 7 began with these celebrity poster boys for, for holiness, supposedly. They were exposed as unclean because they refused Jesus. They didn't take him at his word. And here comes this Gentile lady, and she takes Jesus at his word. She submits to his word. She accepts his word. She honors his word. She completes the picture he's painted. The technical term for the type of word picture Jesus used in verse 27 is a parable. And in Mark's gospel, if you get Jesus' parables, if you understand what he's saying, you're in the kingdom of God. You're part of God's people. If you don't get what Jesus is saying, if you reject what Jesus is saying, you're out and you still need to come in. 
And until now in Mark's gospel, no one has got one of Jesus' parables on their own. No one's got it on their own, not even the disciples. Jesus has always had to explain it, but not here, not her. She gets it. Jesus gives her one short sentence and she completes it. Which means that God has welcomed her into his kingdom. He's brought her in. He's cleansed her and welcomed her in through Jesus the king. She heard of Jesus. She came. She fell down before him. She begged and she has received such mercy and grace. These days we're so suspicious of authority. Uh, Partly because so often we've seen it abused. Partly because we want to be Lord ourselves. And therefore calling Jesus Lord is not just countercultural in our day. It can feel like losing your life. Because everyone all around us tells us that life is found by being your own boss. By being in charge. And yet as this lady calls Jesus Lord... Look at how good a Lord she sees him to be. Verse 28 again. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Do you see, she trusts Jesus. She sees him as gracious and generous and rich, full of the Father's goodness, fully able to meet her needs. Her needs are huge. A demon has taken control of her little daughter. This is not like having a spiritually ingrown toenail. The last time we saw a demon-possessed person in Mark 5, the demons were killing him bit by bit. And yet this lady, in all her desperation, trusts that her great, great needs are met by the crumbs that fall from Jesus' table. She sees Jesus as so rich, so full, so overflowing and abounding in kindness and mercy and power that she will be satisfied. Her needs will be met. She will be fed with just one crumb. She's desperate and she is expectant because she trusts Jesus to be a gracious king. It is life-giving for her to call Jesus Lord. It's so easy, isn't it, to have a famished and starved view of Jesus. To think that our problems are so huge that it would exhaust Jesus to meet them. That he might not even be able to meet them because our problems are so big. And yet a true view of the Lord Jesus says with her, your crumbs, your crumbs are enough. You are so full of grace, you overflow with it. So that my greatest needs, your greatest needs, the sins and temptations that plague us, the the demonic forces that oppose us, our fears and our unbelief, Jesus meets all of them without emptying himself. Jesus is able to satisfy you and me this morning without his table going bare, without running out of food, without having to rummage around in the cupboard and give us yesterday's dregs. Jesus feeds us without emptying himself. Food that never goes stale, food that never runs out, food that is the bread of life. And that takes us to our final D, dinner. Verses 29 to 30. As Jesus speaks, dinner is served, his people are fed. And I'd love us just to focus on two words, go and gone. Verse 29, go. For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. 
in Mark's gospel, Jesus says, go to those who trust him. So chapter 2, he said, go to the forgiven and healed paralytic. Uh, in chapter 5, he said, go to the woman healed, uh, sorry, freed from demon possession and the woman healed of disease. Go does not mean get lost. Go means I found you. You can go, everything will be okay. Martin Luther put it brilliantly. He, he wrote of this passage, this woman took Christ at his words and Jesus then treated her not as a dog, but as a child of Israel. She came like a dog. She was adopted, cleansed, and fed. Put yourself in the woman's shoes. Your daughter is in great danger. You are totally desperate, and Jesus just says, go, all will be well. Wouldn't you want to cry out, no! You've got to come back home with me. I'm not leaving here without you coming with me. And yet, she trusts Jesus' promise. She's willing to leave empty-handed, having only his promise in her hands. Because she must trust that Jesus is the type of king who is so powerful that he can accomplish his reign simply by speaking. Jesus' promises do what he says. His speaking is his doing. This is genuine faith she has here. Amazing faith. Faith that tells us that if you and I have Jesus' promises, we are never empty-handed. And so she goes home, fed, satisfied with the mercy and power of the Lord Jesus, satisfied with his word, fed by faith. And she finds everything just as Jesus had promised. Our second little word, they're gone Did you you notice there in verse uh, 29, Jesus didn't ask for her address. Sure, I'll I'll deal with this one straight away, not a problem. Just remind me where you live again. Uh, He doesn't need GPS tracking on the demon. He doesn't even need to know the daughter's name. He didn't even need to be there. This is the power and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He cleanses the daughter from a distance. He drives out the demon with a word. She's in Syrian Phoenicia. She comes from a pagan family, not a problem for Jesus. There are no away games for Jesus because he is the Lord of all. He's the savior of the world. And with a word, the demon's gone. When we first met this woman, remember we compared her to the Pharisees. And we thought, well, if if Jesus rejected them, surely he'll reject her. If not them, surely not her. Do you see how Mark is turning that on, his head, on its head? He wants you and me to look at this nameless, desperate lady and think, if Jesus fed her, surely Jesus will feed me. If her, then surely me, surely us. She's a nobody because she could be an anybody, because she could be you and she could be me. Fed, satisfied by Jesus. Uh, I asked a friend and a kilo of well-beloved dry adult dog food, turkey and rice, costs 52 quid on Amazon. It might have been a kilo. It was a big bag either way. It costs 52 quid. Uh, That tells me it costs a lot to feed dogs. Um, I'm seeing a few nods. That is nothing compared to what Jesus pays to feed this lady dinner to give desperate dogs dinner. It cost Jesus his life 
Because at the cross, as Jesus goes to die for us, what is he doing? He is dying in hunger and thirst. He is laying down his life as our ransom to to break the power of the evil one over us, to set us free from our sin, to cleanse us from within, to take us from being outside God's kingdom, bring us into God's kingdom, take us from being under God's condemnation and bring us into God's favor and love and acceptance. He is rising again to feed us with the overflowing bread of life from a table that never goes empty. Because Jesus feeds dogs. Because Jesus is bread for the unclean. Because with Jesus, desperate dogs like you and me get dinner. It's free. It's been paid for. As we close, note this is a real turning point in Mark's gospel. Jesus feeds the Syrophoenician woman. Then in chapter 8, he will feed 4,000 people from the nations, from non-Jewish territory. Uh, In chapter 15, as Jesus breathes his last, the temple curtain is torn in two as God's spirit rushes out and advances into the world to bring people from all over the world to faith in Jesus Christ, starting with a Roman centurion. Mark does not want us to think this woman is a one-off. He's holding her out to us as a pattern of the type of thing Jesus will do and has been doing for the last 2,000 years, for the type of thing Jesus does today. So that as we hold Jesus out to the world around us, as, as we speak of Jesus in Leipzig, as you speak of Jesus in Bramcote and Beeston and wherever else you're from, people will hear, people will come, people will fall down before him, people will beg and people will be fed. Because with Jesus, desperate dogs get dinner. What an encouragement then to keep on inviting people to church. Uh, What an encouragement to keep on handing out gospels, to keep telling people that Jesus is Lord, that he is the bread of life, that they can be fed. For many will hear, many will come, many will fall at his feet and beg and be fed. But Jesus isn't just good news for the world out there. Jesus is good news for you and for me. Now, today, What a tragedy it would be to leave this room, to leave this this time together this morning still hungry because we were not willing to go to Jesus and to tell him how hungry we are. This woman models how we should all be responding to Jesus. What do we do when we hear of Jesus? Come, fall, beg, and be fed. Wherever you need his power and mercy, wherever it aches and hurts the most, Jesus not only has bread for you, he is bread for you. And he will feed you for free. His power and mercy are yours because with Jesus, desperate dogs like you and me get dinner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have made Jesus Christ the bread of life, the Lord and Savior of the world, the one who has paid for all that we need. Father, you know the many, many ways in which we hunger and thirst, the ways in which we try and avoid those hunger and thirsts by looking in all the wrong places, 
the way sometimes it, it feels like we come to you and we don't get fed even. Yet, Father, now, by your Spirit's power, help us to turn to Jesus, to fall at his feet, to beg afresh of him that he would feed us. For, Lord Jesus, we want this morning to taste and see that you are good. Thank you that food is ours for the begging, that you have given yourself to us. And that with you, desperate dogs get dinner. We praise you for this. Amen.